Welcome to Gross Anatomy. Are we live? We are live. We're live with Gross Anatomy? Yes. Do you want to do the intro today? Okay, to- today I'll do it. Okay. Where we, we're live with Gross Anatomy, where we explore the sights, smells, and sounds of medicine, how it relates to pop culture, books, movies, TV, podcasts, and the world around us. And I am Dr. Jason Cohen, and I am joined by and with Lauren Taylor. Amazing. And here we are. We're in August. We are in August, and uh, there's not a lot of great news out there. But uh, (laughs) Right. So what are we doing today, Lauren? Well, today, not to, I want to not have like a downer podcast since all the news is about like the new COVID strains and all the other upheaval in the world. Yeah. But we did want to discuss a little bit about the Olympics. And it's not a bad thing. It's just um, athletes and mental health as that comes to a close. Obviously, everyone was talking about Simone Biles and how she withdrew, citing like, you know, she was struggling with like some inner demons, some mental health issues. And she wanted to make sure that her team could qualify or that they could medal. She didn't want to mm-hmm. run her chances for them. Yeah, that's, um, I think, pretty brave. And and that's one of the things that that's, was talked about is that, it's easy for an athlete to to bow out because of physical health, but no one's ever, you know, backed out of some kind of sporting event or anything without getting crap for it, saying mental health. And the reality is, is mental health is just as important, if not more. Right. And exactly. And Naomi Osaka, who um, lit the torch for the whole Olympics, was like, I feel like one of the first people I've ever uh, seeing that she like pulled out of the French open because of mental health issues. Yeah. And then like, she's the biggest tennis star right now. And then Simone Biles is the biggest gymnast ever. Yeah. It's, so. it's pretty amazing that, um, that it's just, that it's just a thing now where someone can do that, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's, but it's, you know, everybody is stressed and these are super duper stressful times. And I think, uh, we need to, um, you know, we interviewed, Sharon Feldstein, who has the foundation Your Mom Cares, and we should give a shout out to her, and uh, because it's about wellness and mental wellness, and and it's important, and it's more important now more than ever, especially during these insane times. Yeah, it is insane times, especially like the Olympics. They're not used to competing like that under that pandemic pressure, um, as well as like I felt like even go watching the Olympics, how much. Everyone was just like saying Simone Biles, like how much they were talking about her and praising her. I was like, geez, like she can't go anywhere but down. Like you can't like, or, I mean, they were just like talking about her so much. Like she was a golden God. I was like, I, that's a lot of pressure to live up to. And then yeah. sure enough, that happened. And, yeah. and Michael funny. Phelps was saying that people don't realize like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders and it is hard and it's, and you don't talk about it. And he said that in 2012, he suffered with like suicidal thoughts and depression and he just never talked about it. And then finally he was able to get help in like 2018. I think, you know, the silver lining to all of that is that um, I, th- I hope and think that it should and will help regular people realize who are going through things that they're not alone. And, and I think that's kind of the best thing that we could get out of this, that, that it, it'll hopefully normalize mental wellness and mental health and, and make it 
that, hey, it's okay to feel crappy and it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to need help. And it's so, and I, I hope that that's where this goes because that's, that's really the most important thing that, that, hey, if a superstar can feel this way and have problems, then, and they seem like they have it all and are on top of the world, then, then certainly it's okay if I do. Right. And that's Michael Phelps is the most decorated Olympian ever. Mm-hmm. So if he's feeling that way, like, I mean, yeah. And he's so successful and on top of everything, it seems like it's like, no, he still struggles with this kind of stuff. So yeah. I hope it helps someone too. But he, he said, it's okay not to be okay. And I guess Simone Biles said the same thing. And I think that's kind of like what people are saying now. It's okay not to be okay. Just ask for help, which I agree with, but sometimes for a lot of people, the help part isn't so easy to obtain because they can't afford to see a therapist or a psychiatrist. I was watching a British TV show called This Way Up, which I highly recommend. But in that show, the main character gets out of rehab and eventually goes to see her therapist. And the therapist asks her, why has it been a month since you've come to see me? And the main character says, well, I had to choose between paying my rent or coming to see you. And I chose to have a roof over my head or something like that. And I think that's the reality for a lot of people. Well, that's that's challenging, but luckily, to some degree, in the day of um, Zoom and and uh, and virtual appointments, yeah. I think there's a whole platform now where f- certainly more affordable options are out there. There's there's the ability to just there are hotlines where you could call someone, but even to just let a friend or a family member know. I, I'm hoping that that that's what this is opening up for people of right. all ages and all types to, to feel like you could, you could tell someone that, you know, and not be stigmatized and not feel badly that someone will make fun of you or, or who knows what. Right. I, I think I'm hoping that that's, you know, that because especially during these COVID times, it's been so alienating and isolating and, and challenging for people, kids and, um, and I hope it it opens up dialogue and and just an avenue for people to kind of say, okay, I feel like crap, but I'm sure other people do too. And and even that person who looks amazing probably has some stuff going on. And yeah, hopefully think, we won't be so judgy. I think it has to help people being so much more open about it. I I mean, we'll see. We will see. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully that'll be the best thing that uh, this comes from the. I know. And like, I guess the pressures of fame can be like related to like the pressures of just general success. Like Kit Harrington from Game of Thrones, he was also just opened up about how he had to go to rehab after Game of Thrones because he suffered from depression, which led to his like alcoholism. Mm. So he's apparently been clean for like two years, but he said he learned in rehab that like that expression, a leopard can't change its spots, meaning like people cannot change at all. Like, you know, like we are who we are. He learned that that's not true. And so good. Oh, good. I was hoping I, I didn't know where you were going with that. I thank thank God you just said that. No, I thought you were going to say he, people can't change. Yeah, no, he it, I guess it just he always I, maybe he always thought it was kind of true. But then he realized when he was in rehab that it's definitely not true and that people can change. So, um, yeah, he's been clean for two years and he's being more open, saying like, I don't want to be like a role model, but like if I, me being more open helps someone, then I guess I'll just be more open, you know? That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Yes. I know. Don't you what? miss that show? Yeah. But what, since we're speaking of Kit Harrington and we're speaking about um, athletes, 
what commonality does Kit Harrington have with athletes? Anything? Oh, he was in that tennis movie with Andy Samberg. What was it called? It was horrible. Did you like it? <laughs> Not really, but it was like it had a few laughs. I thought it was could have been great, but it was. I thought it was just horrible. It was so weird. I think that's yeah. on HBO, but no one yeah. wants to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> not giving sorry i love you kid harrington and i like you and andy sandberg but uh-huh. i can't give you a shout out on that one guys yeah 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 i agree do you think mental health has anything to do with like time off because i was thinking about we did an episode on job burnout like a while back and how it was really affecting like medical professionals this was even before the pandemic so i can't mm-hmm. imagine the job burnout medical professionals are feeling today which is just like excessive stress, fatigue, insomnia. That's like the signs of job burnout, sadness, anger, or irritability. But I think like that, I, if you just had more time off, do you think that job burnout could kind of like, could go away a little bit? I think so. I, I mean, I don't know who had to, who wound up inventing the five-day work week. I know like in Europe and other parts of the world, they only have a four-day work week. I, I think, and I think there was even some legislation that passed to propose in some state a four-day work week. Now, in America, I don't know how that could work because that's going to lead to overtime, which I don't think is the right thing to do. But I I think we work too hard in this country in general. Um, it, it is part of the American dream. And the reality is, is someone's always willing to work harder and and to get ahead. So it's good and it's bad. But Well, that's what I, I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. I know you met some European doctors when you went to Africa. I read this fact that European Union legislation mandates that all 27 member states must, by law, grant employees a minimum of four weeks paid time off. So they start uh, for every year they work at a company, they get 10 days paid off. That's mandatory. But they're also entitled to 12 paid public holidays, Hmm. which equals like four weeks off. Yeah. Well, when I was talking to this doctor, he's an endocrinologist in Germany. He and his wife are both doctors. Uh, we became very close. He's a great guy. Um, his name is Morton. I can't pronounce it. Uh, Schufeld. I, I have to double check his last name. I'm embarrassed that I don't know it offhand. Um, actually, I think it's Schut, his last name, Schut. Um, but he said that he has, I think it's 12 weeks a year off. He, wow. and his, he and his uh, partners. And I, I am so envious um, because as I, I may have discussed before, I had to battle my partners even just for four weeks off or even six weeks off. I mean, I mean and I've been doing this for 21 years and uh, straight and uh, with these hours and I had to battle them. And, and it's funny, I actually pitched to them that every year, one of us, or every couple of years, one of us should do like some kind of like a three month sabbatical, uh, just to, for recharging and doing some, whatever they laughed me out of the office. They, Uh they didn't even, they didn't even want to entertain that. It's very anti-doctor, very anti-surgeon mentality. You know, when I tell people that I took four weeks off, um, they think it's insane. They, they, they're in disbelief that I took that much time off. Um, I think uh, I was talking to someone who's been doing this for longer. I think he said the longest period of time he's taken off at once was two weeks. And I don't know, it's depressing. Yeah. Well, it's not enough time. And so, I mean, I think a lot of, I mean, I read a lot of medical professions were leaving the field 
or a lot of doctors were just deciding to become concierge doctors and not deal like, you know, do stuff on their own pace, their own time. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, the, this pre-med program that I run, you know, I was talking to the students today about, um, work-life balance, which I don't believe in. I don't believe there's such thing as work-life balance. I think in order to strive to be great at something, whatever it is you do, something's got to suffer. You know, you can't tell me that when Michael Jordan was up and coming to become the greatest basketball player, that that something else wasn't suffering. Um, there, there's just no way. Maybe at a no, certain I mean, point, his marriage yeah. fell apart. Yeah, I'm sure he right. didn't ever see his kids. Like, yeah, yeah. of course. And like, there's this one surgeon that I know that gives these work-life balance talks and he's on his second marriage. So maybe now that he's older and in his second marriage, he's found it, but, but it's a myth. I, I think, I mean, we could strive for it and, and try to attain it. Um, but I, but I, I, I don't know if it truly exists. I think something always, you know, when you're doing one thing, something always has to not be getting done. Do you think in America, if we hadn't, mandatory four weeks off a year that we would be able to better achieve this elusive work-life balance because in America, we are failing to even take the vacation time. We do have this study said in 2018, 768 million vacation days went unused, like up 9% from the year before yeah. and 246 million were forfeited. Meaning like those people just lost their vacation days because yeah. like you said, people are working so hard to like try to fulfill their version of the American dream or like someone is willing to work harder to get their position. So it's. But then there are some people that just really want to work. Like, like one of my partners, I don't get it. He, he does not take much vacation. And, and I don't know if it's that he just really loves it. Maybe he's got nothing else he'd rather do. It, it really, I, I don't totally get. And, and in fact, it's a surgeon thing, you know? So when I tell other surgeons, I've taken that much of, time off, they're, they're really in disbelief. And, and I don't know if it's that they feel like they can't, or they feel like they don't want to, or maybe some of them are like, you know, the ones I'm super envious of are the ones who, you know, it's their passion and they can't see themselves doing anything else but that, you know, like, like in their free time, they, they want to do surgery and medicine. I, I hate to say as much as I love my job in my free time, I don't want to do surgery and medicine. I would, I would think most surgeons would feel that way. I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't know people were that passionate about surgery. Some are, but one of my old uh, guys I used to work with, I think would rather be doing certain, well, there's certain things like bicycling and, and, and uh, mountain biking and skiing. But I think, I think he just loves every second of it, you know? And so, and there is a thrill and a charge to doing it, you know? Um, but yeah, most well, guys don't take that much time. Or maybe they don't like their home life. <laughs> I wonder that. I, I I didn't vocalize that, but you, yeah. you have to wonder or, 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 you know, would just rather be. So, sometimes it's, you know, that's what you know and that's what you're used to. And you're like, then you hear these stories of these of these people, whether they're doctors or other career, that they finally retire. And then, you know, weeks or months later, they're dead, you know. Yeah. Which always is the most bizarre thing to hear. Well, so then I guess you, you don't worry about job burnout. Your partners don't, or like, they're just fine. Just the way things are. Is it like a monetary no. thing you think that keeps them going? Cause they're no, already we, successful. We're all, we all deal with burnout. Like, like I just finished being, because I went away, I, uh, I have a lot of calls stacked up now. So I just finished a week of being 
on call. And the week before that, I was backup call. So these last two weeks have been brutal for me. And I am burnt out today. Uh, I did a surgery, but I'm, I'm pretty, after that surgery, luckily I didn't have anything else. I had my pre-med program and I had this, but I, I kind of, I, I got back to the office after that surgery and I realized, holy cow, I feel burnt out right now. Mm-hmm. But then I'll get home and I'll relax and I'll exercise and, and, you know, and this week hopefully won't be so busy because I'm not on call this week and I'll, and then I'll have the weekend and I'll hopefully recharge. But right. no, right now I feel super burnt out. Well, so one of the European doctors, well, I, uh, what was his name? Shooter? Shooter? Right. Shoot. Shoot. Like, did you talk to him about his patients? Like, did his patients feel like they suffered because he took so much time off or like any, like how did his work balance work? You know what? I didn't ask him that. I should have, and I should, we're still in touch, but I think, I think there's a different expectation in Europe than there is in the States. In the States, people expect, although it's, things are changing, but people expect, have this unreal, that's part of the problem too. People have this unrealistic expectation in America. They think that for some reason people think they shouldn't be sick and that if they do get sick, it's somebody's fault Mm -hmm. and that their doctor has to be there all the time. That's the expectation. So many times uh, there's a patient I'm seeing now in the hospital who is blaming the system for the illnesses he has. And, and it's amazing. And, And there's nothing to do, but try to support this patient and try to help the patient feel better. But that, the reality is, is people want to, unfortunately, a lot of people want to point blame if they're sick. And I guess it's easier to point the finger. I don't know why people do that. I wouldn't do that. I don't think, but you never know though, you know, suffering doesn't, you know, hurt, you know, when someone suffers, it's hard. I want to say to the patient, wait a minute, wait a minute. We didn't give you the disease that needed us, mm-hmm. but I can't, I can't say that to a patient mm-hmm. and a, a patient wouldn't want to hear that. So you just and, kind of like, what do you do? Just kind of like take it to try to make them feel better? No, you, you try to, you, you try to, I think we may have talked about it. I, I think it's very helpful to make the patient's care be a we, as opposed to a you and an I. Didn't we discuss that once? I like, so. like if you're ill, I'll say, Lauren, and I think I heard, I forget who I, I heard that from. And I thought it was wonderful. I, Lauren, we need to. Um, work on getting us better, you know, and, and I think doing things like that and, and kind of saying, yeah, I know you're suffering and yeah, you know, and, and hopefully it gets the person because, you know, Kubler-Ross discusses all the stages of grief. And I think that's basically what it is. It's, it's a patient going through stages of grief and perhaps they get stuck in that stage of grief and that's where they are. And, and maybe it's just helping someone get through those stages of grief. Yeah. I don't, I don't know the stages of grief, but I hope I'm, I'm not one of those patients one day. The stages of grief, the way I remember it is DABDA. So it's denial, anger, bargaining, bargaining, depression, acceptance, DABDA. That's how I always remember it. Okay. DABDA, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Yeah. I feel like you probably have to deal with a lot of people going through that. Yeah with illness, with anything. Mm-hmm. All right. So from stages of grief, let's brighten this podcast up with some TV talk. Have you had time to watch anything? So, so interestingly, um, we watched new Amsterdam and I watched a few more episodes. Oh, you did? 
Yeah, because I, I wound up going to the gym and uh, on a whim, I went to the gym on a whim and I uh, chose to go for a swim. No, that's not true. And I went on the treadmill. And so I got to, so I was able to watch something. So, and I didn't know what to watch. So we would started watching New Amsterdam. So I watched a couple episodes. The pilot was great. And then the characters are great, but it's, it started to kind of lose me a little bit. I'm still interested a little bit, but it, it definitely started to lose me. Do you think it's because the show is in a hospital setting and you need more of an escape than that? Or does that not have anything to do with it? It's just not holding your interest. I, I didn't think it was as great, but I did start noticing because you told me Kings County Hospital. Mm-hmm. And that was excited, exciting to see some of those hallways, which is where I trained. And, and that was really exciting. Uh, seeing, you know, I noticed it, but it kind of got a little cheesy and a little melodramatic. That, that, was, that was what uh, took me out of it a little bit. That must be like uh, the combination of for successful medical shows because it's yeah. in its fourth season. Yeah. But, but that made me, we had started talking about Dr. Death, the podcast. Yes. Which I listened to. You didn't, but we're going to watch the show. Well, I started watching the show and we could save it for another, another episode. I started watching it. Okay. So I'll, I'll start it too. Yeah. I'm halfway through the first episode. The, The nice thing about it is it's Alec Baldwin and, uh, Christian Slater who are wonderful and Josh Jackson, but Christian Slater and Alec Baldwin are great. Yeah, they're great actors. Um, Okay, I didn't know you started that. So what I'm watching, what I think is the best show on right now, but I, I think you might not like it for some reason. It's, um, it's called White Lotus. It's on HBO. What is it? So it's directed by Mike White and written by him. And he's, he's done a bunch of stuff. He also wrote and created Enlightened with Laura Dern, which is also on HBO. But White Lotus is a little hard to explain. It's about these different people like a family, a, a single lady, a couple that are staying at the same elite hotel in Hawaii. And these people have money and it's how they interact with each other and how they interact with the staff. And then something culminates, something big happens, almost like a whodunit type of show too. It's a great writing, only six episodes and I'm on the fourth episode so far. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I may, it may we may get a little political here, but um, isn't it kind of, outing white privilege a little am i wrong it does it does discuss white privilege but okay. it's that's not the central theme no it just does it in an interesting way it's it's okay. i think it's basically about privilege in general i mean okay yeah yeah i read something about it and and it sounded interesting i mean i just think all the all the characters are very interesting yeah so that's what i'm watching but then i saw that um they're rebooting Doogie Howser. Did you see that on Disney no. Plus? So I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong. Um, Doogie Camiola, MD, is about a teenage wonder kid juggling her high school life with an early medical career. The series is set to premiere on September 8th. So it's going to be on Disney Plus and they're rebooting it. But I, I learned looking up Doogie Howser, David E. Kelly was like one of the, the creators on that, which I'm just, it's crazy how much he's created. He's created a lot of stuff. And what's his name as the actor? What's his name again? I'm blanking on it. Neil Patrick Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. It'd be cool if he had a cameo or something. I'm sure they'll figure out a way to get him in there. They should. So I'm, I'm interested. Like, it's obviously for younger people, I'm guessing, because it's on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's going to be like a hit or younger people are going to get into it. I don't know. Well, we'll watch the pilot. And, yeah. But, but uh, I don't know if it's going to be one of the shows that we watch. 
No, I definitely don't think we're going to be watching it for seasons to come or anything, but it sounds cute. When I heard they were re- rebooting Dewey Hauser with a female lead, I thought that was an exciting idea. Yeah, they should definitely ask us to help, but they're not going <laughs> to. Yeah. So that's that's all I got for new medical shows. Cool. So my only other thought I had as I was getting ready this morning is, um, you know, you know, there's this whole thing going on now with um, the anti-vaxxers and the people who have gotten vaccinated and and everybody's wondering why people aren't getting vaccinated and and, and all of that. And, and as I was getting ready this morning, it's a thought about nothing. And I and I think we'll do a little video for our for our social media, too. But um, it's interesting. The thought I had was it's interesting how people make their health decisions um, and and I think it's pretty much based on three things. And 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 I was thinking that today. Um, people make their healthcare decisions based on three guiding principles. And one is science, two is faith or religion, and then the third thing is fear. And I and I think that's you know, everybody, I think everybody in terms of treating themselves and making decisions. And it's always interesting to see how that triangle of those three things come into play and how people decide what they're going to do. And I, I, I don't know. I was just kind of I have to think about it a little bit more. But I, I just had that that thought this morning. Right. Where like fear sometimes is like the more important part of the triangle so they don't get vaccinated. Right. Exactly. Or or and then or different people, you know think more about the science and, but all three, I think, play into it and religion and science and fear. I think everybody, I think with like stopping smoking and, and with exercising and, and getting into shape and changing your lifestyle. It's, I think everything we do kind of is that, that those three things and what's gonna, what's gonna be the thing to drive us more, the, the science, the faith or fear. Right. But yeah, so you're doing okay at the hospital. All the I'm trying not to read the news as much. Like I read stuff for the podcast, but it's all just seems to be like they're trying to make hospitals sound like a hellscape again. But I guess you're doing okay. Yeah, although I had a surgery on for tomorrow, an elective surgery that uh, they canceled because so they had sent out a notice last week that um, they're going to start looking at our surgeries and certain ones they will uh, put on hold. And and that's not just because of COVID. It's just for whatever reason, hospitals are busy too. So between COVID and just people being sick right now, uh, it's it's gotten a little nutty. So um, so they shut down some surgeries. Okay. Yeah. So you're thinking they're going to start shutting down more? I think so. Like I, my surgery tomorrow is off. Aww. Although I have plenty of other things to do, but that surgery is I hate off. to hear this. I mean, I know because we interviewed doctors and we talked about it before too. We knew that there'd be another variant of COVID, of the coronavirus. And um, we talked with doctors that were just like, this is just going to be something that we have to live with. But uh, I guess we're not doing a very good job at living with it. I I guess. I don't know. You know, um, I I think at some point we're going to hit like some level of normalcy and that's going to be the way it is. You know, uh, we just haven't hit it yet, but I I think we'll hit we're going to hit something soon. I don't know how soon um, the disease is either going to get worse or get better or mutate or who knows what. And I, and, and 
Right. And by living with it, I mean, just being able to, when they say mask up, just mask up, you know what I mean? Like just, yeah, you got to figure it out. I don't even think it's masking up. I, I think, you know, I think people unfortunately are tired and I think even the people who are masked and even the people who are vaccinated, I think they got, I think we um, got careless for a little while, even the vaccinated people, even we kind of forgot we need to wash our hands all the time. We forgot, you know, maybe we shouldn't hug everybody, maybe because people started hugging again a little bit. And and maybe, maybe, you know, gatherings should be limited to a certain number of people. You know, we're getting a little lax for because we think uh, we're vaccinated. Um, I think I think people are getting, especially younger people, kind of forgot that this is a little that this is somewhat serious. And yeah, so maybe it's a good thing the news is like so so like volatile with like their bad news. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's good to like awaken uh, awaken people again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't either. What well, else? Right. No, that's it. That's all I had for today. We have a guest coming on the podcast on Wednesday. So the next episode will feature special guests, but that's it for today. Don't forget to respond to us on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok even now, which where we're getting some fun stuff going on. So stay engaged. Tell us what you want to see. Tell us what you want to hear. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can check out more episodes on the evolving sights, smells, and sounds of medicine. Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition.